Hey all, welcome to our podcast from OK to KO, following our journey from an OK life to a knockout life. Every Sunday after breakfast, we'll be sitting down and having a chat and publishing it as a podcast, and we hope you enjoy. Morning, Kira. Hi. How are you? I'm okay, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's Saturday. It's, oh gosh, yeah. It's Saturday. It doesn't feel like a weekend. <laughs> no, well, Saturday's not really a weekend for us, is it? So maybe, um, I wonder if this is going to give different vibes, because usually, like, we, it's Sunday, we're very chilled, had a big breakfast, not got much planned for the day, but today is not. It's Saturday, we've got a lot of work to do, and we've got to drive down to London later. Yeah. So maybe the vibe will be different. The vibes. Yeah, probably. We also didn't have a slap-up breakfast. No, exactly. I didn't have any breakfast. I had instant porridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's your week been? Uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, I was also in London earlier this week. So it's interesting how, less so than it used to, but it's even still, being in one city and then coming back to Leicester, definitely, um, I'd notice that my organisation depletes. Uh, a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. and like continuing the routine and it used to be so much worse it used to really really suffer yeah but even still like i um i texted one of my my students and i was like oh my gosh really sorry got the days confused or whatever i said yeah i was like can we um move the lesson to tomorrow yeah and then i was like wait sent it and i was like wait what day is it <laughs> and i realized i'd messaged them the day before the lesson <laughs> And I was like, oh no, sorry, just seen it's Wednesday. Ignore that. <laughs> you had to actually admit to one of your students that you'd literally just got the day wrong. Yeah. Wow. As much as to, to actually even try and rearrange something. <laughs> but we should probably explain, I don't know if we've ever explained this, but um, because, you know, I know some people in the US listen to this. So, like, I wonder, have we ever explained that we're from London, but we don't live in London anymore? I don't so, know. So Kira and I grew up in North London. We actually grew up in the same, basically, like, what, 15 minutes away from each other, I'd yeah. say, in North London. Uh, we didn't really meet properly until we went to uni in Birmingham. But anyway, so now we live in Leicester, which is like an hour and a half north of London. But all of our friends and family are in London. Yeah, we also did go to the same school, but we weren't really friends there. So yeah. a lot of our school friends yeah, are exactly. also in that area. Yeah, all of our friends and family are there. So we often get pulled back. Um, and frankly, when I left London, I was just like, I don't know if you were the same, but I was just like, just, yeah, this is just a temporary leave. Like, I'm just going to come back straight away, right? As soon as I finish uni. Well, it's different, right? Because you never went back to London after uni. I never did, actually. I did. Oh, you did, yeah. But now when I go back, I'm like, this place is crazy stressful. And yeah. it's like too much. Like people, like, so there's this ring road around London called the M25, Motorway 25. And I swear, people outside that motorway and people inside the motorway are different. And as soon as you go inside the M25, it's like everyone is out to just push each other out of the way to get what they want. Outside the M25, everyone's like, yeah, there's a bit more reasonable, a bit, everyone's a bit more reasonable, everyone's a bit more chill. As soon as you step inside, it's like a switch is flipped and everyone's just... Do you think a switch flips inside of you? Definitely, because I join in. You're like, oh, everyone's... <laughs> Everyone's so aggy here. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just me. And like I'm putting it on everyone else. I don't know. But um, I noticed it. And I, I'm prepared to notice it later today when we go down there as well. 
Um, See, he's, he's already primed. <laughs> he's already looking for it. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's just the aside. So what, what, are we, um, what are we talking about today? Talking about incremental change. Yeah. And specifically, I'm just going to read this quote. What's I'm, the quote from? I'm reading a book called The 5am Club. Yeah, which... but see, they know about The 5am Club because I read about it. I read it. Then I made this massive song and dance about it on, on the podcast, I think, <laughs> about how I'm going to get up at 5am every day. And I failed so far. <laughs> so far. You did it like two days. I did it for a week. <laughs> I did it for a week and it was horrible. And to be honest, I think I'm going to go for 6am next time. <laughs> there was that funny day where I got up just a bit after you. <laughs> So you have this whole like morning routine, right? This time to yourself. No, no, no. So Ollie got with up. The, with the 5am club, it's not just you get up at 5am. You have to follow the routine very strictly. Yeah. It's the 20-20-20 formula. Yeah. yeah. So Ollie got up and the first part of it is exercise. So he went out for a run and I got up a little bit after him. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to do some like stretching and yoga in the living room. <laughs> And then he comes back after just 20 minutes, obviously expecting to walk into this empty room so he could do his next phase of 20. And just the death stares <laughs> I received for being up at that time. Yeah, exactly. It because was, um, it ruined my... I think that's probably why I didn't get up at 5am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm just saying, it's a great book. It's really hard to do. But they do say that in the book over and over again. They're like, you've got to be prepared to be uncomfortable all the time. Mm. Which makes you wonder why I ever tried. But um, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to moderate for 6am and then go from there. Well, I'm about halfway through Yeah. now. It is an amazing book though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, it's really nice the way in which it's written. It's like a story, but just full of lots of inspiring quotes and theory. Um, so the story element makes it really readable and you can visualise it really well. It doesn't feel like you're just taking on theory. And they visit um, some incredible places and yeah. he's a really good writer, isn't he? Robin Sharma. Um, so we're particularly talking about... So I, this uh, line really resonated with me. Um, and I'll give you just a couple of lines before. So it says, please remember that great companies and wonderful lives don't happen by sudden revolution. Nope. They materialise by incremental evolution. And this whole passage is about making incremental changes in order to achieve big results long term. And that that's more important. Consistent small changes is going to do you better than make having real spikes mm. of inspiration and then plateauing the rest of the time. But what particularly got me about that last sentence, they materialise via incremental evolution, was the word evolution and incremental next to each other. And realising, wow, if you think about evolution that is like the clearest example of incremental slow consistent change over yeah. so many years and it's had the biggest results that we could even perceive it's a great point it's a great point because i wouldn't even I, I think i read that and didn't well i have read that and didn't make the um the connection with evolution but i mean it's that is absolutely the per most perfect example of incremental change and the power of consistency, mm. isn't it? Mm. Um, well, I love I loved the quote. Um, so what do you take from it? Um, it's just this idea of basically consistency is something that I think a lot of us can relate to in the fact that it can be hard. Um, and how important it is, basically, with that. Um, and just the small, small efforts. Because sometimes you can kind of feel like if I'm doing something that's really small, 
over a long amount of time, you're like, mm. ah, is it really doing anything? And it feels kind of long. <laughs> and, oh, should I be doing something else? Yeah. And actually just having faith that those things are going to be the things that set you apart, that that's going to be you really owning your field that you've committed your time to. Or whatever it is, maybe it's a physical transformation, maybe it's a mental one, maybe it's learning a new skill. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, it's just a good message, isn't it? I think it's a great message. I think it's a great message. It kind of reminds me of the difference between... I was watching a, an Insta Live, you know, when a couple of people have a conversation. How old did, like this. How old did I just sound? Um, but, um, yeah, and one of these guys who's very successful Instagram account or whatever else, and he was asked, what's more important, discipline or motivation? And he, without, he didn't even blink, and he said discipline. Mm. And I think that's the difference. I think like motivation is, in a way, is cheap, and it can be fleeting, and like you know, it's this thing of like you can be motivated one day and just smash it and have literally the best day. You could make maybe a seven percent gain that day, but if you're not disciplined, you could waste the next two weeks. That's and really I, interesting. And I think the discipline gives you the the place to to do the one percent every day. And I think we confuse the two. So I've spoken in a few of these we podcasts. We definitely confused the two, yeah, for sure. What we've had before saying I've always really struggled with motivation. Mm. And I think that's also coming from belief of, which, you know, it, you feel it, right? If you're struggling for motivation, you're, it's very difficult to be disciplined if you're not motivated. But also I think if you started a pattern not to feel like, oh, I'm not feeling motivated today, so I'm not going to do it. The motivation is kind of irrelevant if you're disciplined enough. Yeah to start going but you probably need to have a bit of motivation to start the practice in the first place I I think um, the way I sort of look at motivation and discipline is macro and micro so motivation is your like macro um, this is where I'm heading Mm. I'm motivated to get to that goal I'm motivated by the vision oh I love that Um, that, that's what I want to do that's what supplies me with motivation but some days I'm just not very good because my discipline's not as strong and that's the micro like on the day to day I, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm like super honest with myself, I think um, motivation, I'm pretty strong. Discipline, super weak, Yeah. to be honest. And like, that's why I'm reading, uh, I think it's a Brian Tracy book about discipline now. Because I just think like, I just, I just don't think like, I've ever really even worked that hard on it. Because, because like, I managed to do things quite fast. And like, I've never had to like, also like working for yourself, you have to do so much more, right? Mm. And I've always had a really good team of people working with me. Mm. So, like, for me, I'm, I think my discipline is exposed recently mm. <laughs> and my lack of it. Yeah, I think I've always been a worker who very much follows how I feel in the moment. Yeah. Um, and a big lesson, actually, for me was when we did the half marathon. Mm. Because that was... That was a few years ago now. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Mm. That was really really hard to me and it's so funny because quite a lot of our friends have done half marathons and I'm like how did you find it and they're like it's not that bad <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh well for me it was awful and I mean I was nearly crying by the time I got to the end the very last bit we had this hill to go up and oh it was amazing and did it with me and stayed by my side even though he could have got gone a lot faster and this last hill I Oh, you know when you're like jogging, but it's so slow-mo, but you're like, I cannot start to walk. I have to keep this 
just yeah. like psychologically, I want to know that I didn't walk. And also once I walk, I probably won't be able to start jogging again. Yeah. Um, so it's like this real slow, heavy <laughs> jog. And then we had this hill, a hill and then my breathing just started to get almost like a panic attack. Like, mm. like, and you just took my hand and I squeezed it so like as hard as I could all the way up the hill. Cause mm. I just needed like an outlet for my anxiety. And then, and then we finished and it, it disappeared <laughs> <laughs> like that. But anyway, I digress. Um, no, that's, that's a great point because you started in January. I think you said you were going to do it in January. I was like, sure. <laughs> oh, what, like as in I had the idea. Yeah, so the, so the so half marathon's October. Why did I have the idea? I have no idea. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> You've never run, ever. And why? And I was like, I think I was so in disbelief. Such a supportive husband I am. I was so in disbelief that I was like, all right, I'm not even going to buy... The entrance ticket <laughs> until like I've seen you training for a bit and I think you just started training and mm. it was like and it was super slow at first oh like, my gosh oh I started doing couch to 5k the app yeah and running for a couple of minutes was hard for me exactly you would not a runner at all like it was crazy at the time I was doing loads of running as well so I was like this is mental um but yeah, slowly but surely. And the, the funniest thing of all of it was we had our best run. I think it, because, so half marathon's 21K. Yeah. <clears throat> we had our best joint warm-up run, which was about 15K. We set out to do 10K. We ended up doing 15K. 14? Yeah. Anyway, you bust your ankle on that run. Mm. And so you couldn't run between that and like three, three Two weeks. weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. Leading up to the thing. Yeah, I was just like hobbling. <laughs> like, please be okay. <laughs> yeah. And you still did it. Frustrating, that was. Yeah. Mm. But that's a great example of like 1% gains throughout the year, basically. Yeah, but that's true. That's very true, actually. It was, for me, that was such a transformation. Mm. Like, can I actually do this? And it was a lesson of like, oh, if you stick to something, yeah. you can do it. It doesn't mean it was easy. Like, it, you know, I didn't get to a point where I was like, hey, I'm so fit now. That was fine. I didn't get to that point, but I still You did, did it. just enough to make yourself get around 21K with people. Oh, and by the way, on the day... It poured it down the whole time. Like, it was such horrible conditions. Yeah. So you did just about enough training to make sure you could do it. We got home and we were, like, shivering. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing that I also took from that was um, that feeling uncomfortable is a necessary part mm. of growth. And I felt uncomfortable so much. I think every single time I did any training, I felt uncomfortable. I never, like I said, got to... I might get to a bit where it was comfy and then I get to a bit where I was like, oh, I've got to keep going and I've got to push myself and this is yeah. not fun. But getting, realizing the discipline of being okay, like it's okay if it doesn't feel comfortable, yeah. you can still do it. That was a huge lesson to me because I've never pushed myself in that way. Not in a physical sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, no it, was, it was really good. I think, I think it's, that running is a great, is a great analogy for this because you literally cannot just improve really fast with running because if you try and run every day you'll get shin splints or you'll injure yourself or whatever else it's like it's the ultimate incremental thing and also it's so repetitive mm. it's so repetitive mm. so yeah no it's a, it's a really good example yeah so i think that was that the thing of feeling uncomfortable yeah. of incremental change i really learned it there and that actually i think maybe before maybe 
I don't know if any of you can, guys can relate to this, but sometimes the feeling of uncomfort can be... Um, discomfort? Discomfort, yeah. That's, that makes more sense. Can be um, put in the same box as, oh, it's just not right then. It's exactly. not right for me. Exactly. Does it feel good? I've probably fallen barking up the wrong tree. And I think, and you know what's funny about that? So I think the 5am thing is the perfect example of that. Because you're because already saying... I guarantee you, you get up for, at 5am for a week, two weeks, three weeks. By the end of it, you'll be like, it just doesn't work for me. Because yeah. you, it's just so foreign to you. And it's just such hard work that you will say that. But I'm sure, do it for 60 days and you'll be like, this is perfect for me. Mm. How many people... Do you know that just say I'm not a morning person? I just can't get up early in the morning. Mm. They still have to, but they, say, that they say they're not. I mean, me. Yeah? <laughs> I've never been a morning person. I've always been happy staying up really late mm. um, and hated waking up in the mornings. And now, I, like, by choice, get out of bed yeah. at like 6.30 or 7. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. No, but I, th I think I love this. I love the one percent thing, and I think um, I was. I've been lucky enough to see speakers, professional speakers, talk about this one percent thing. One person in particular that um, I really was inspired by is um, a guy called Sir Dave Brailsford. He's a, in charge of British cycling, or he was. I don't know. Can you explain what the one percent rule is? So basically, just make it looking around instead of saying how can we if you want to improve something, how can you look around for like one percent gains everywhere? and compile them all together to make a big change. So like, if, for example, in, in the 5am club, he talks about if you made a 1% change each day of the month, by the end of the month, you've made a 30% increase, 30% mm. improvement, that's huge, mm. right? So Sir Dave Brailsford, he took over British Cycling and Team Sky when they weren't that good, frankly. And I don't think a British person had ever won the Tour de France, ever. And he got them there, right? And now they've won it tons of times. And we hope, drug-free, although you don't really know anything with cycling, but that's what they say. Um, and his, his whole thing was about the 1%, to the extent that he had a team that was looking at the type of pillows that each cyclist would, would uh, use to sleep in. Because if he could get a 1% sleep gain, he'd take it. Mm. The type of, obviously the food in sport is massive now, but like the time of day they would have food, I think, I think their eating patterns were crazy in the end, just because they worked out that was the most optimal eating, eating pattern. Mm. But like looking as far as that, and when you look at that in terms of a team, that means that it's quite empowering because it means that improvement everywhere. You, know, you can use like, if the, if the pillow department are all having the same amount of impact as the food department, then everyone is engaged, everyone's part of the same thing. I think it was... Really, what I learned from him was like, yes, the 1% thing, but also like the empowerment of everyone in a team. You're making a change. Exactly. Yeah. So take that to your business. It's like... You're valuable. Yeah, but like in our business where we don't have a team, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, in your head, you're like, okay, where do I make change? Marketing, sales, delivery, right? Those three things. But what if it's admin? What if there's something that's taking your time in your admin department, which you just like, if I could just change that and make that a bit better it would give me a bit more headspace to think about my marketing, which would then have massive impact. Mm. So it could be, there could be changes in loads of different, it could be our sleep, you know, how we sleep, it could be in our diet. The 1% could come from anywhere. Mm. Um, it's just being creative and thinking and really being open to 
improving other places. It's really honest conversations that you have to have with yourself. 100%. Because you just saying that, I've just thought of so many things that are so really? glaringly obvious that I know if I changed my behavior, yeah. um, would massively change my whole headspace. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is like, I'm comfortable. I can still get by with the way things are and it will divert my attention for a bit and it might mean I have to be a little bit less lazy in some areas of my life yeah. when I'm feeling quite tired. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to be honest and you're like, yeah, it's not like, up about... to standard, is it? It's not up to the point where you're allowing yourself to be your best. Exactly. So let's so like, think about, uh, cause I was, there was a guy on, uh, I was looking at on LinkedIn, he was like, we don't eat junk food, so why do we consume junk uh, entertainment and so like I, I sometimes think what, what if every time I don't watch that much TV right neither do you or any TV but like stuff online right what if every time I put a show on to watch I put on a TED talk instead mm. <laughs> or what if every time I went to watch a, an episode of It's Always Sunny and I've watched that whole thing about five times I put on like a podcast you know could I like in my head I'm like oh no but I need that decompression time do I? Mm. Or is it just like, that's what I think I need? Yeah, because I mean, listening to a podcast isn't... It's not stressful. No. It's not energetic. It's interesting, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. This is, this is what's great about this podcast, because we didn't... We decided what we were going to talk about about a minute before, and like, I had no idea this was going to come. But there's probably changes I'll make based on what we talked about here. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. What changes are you thinking about? Can you guess? No. It's always to do with the space. Oh, okay. Always, true. always, always. I, we've spoken about this before in one of our earlier episodes. That's true. About having a clear space. And we're not there yet. And it's not for want of trying. We are trying, but then we get distracted by work. And it's not one of our priorities to, you know, we work, we'll, be, we'll chill for a bit. And then we're like back to work. And, oh, I've got to do this and that. So keeping the space like super clear mm, yeah. has never been our strong suit and it's because we're not prioritizing it and also because we probably need to um get rid of a lot of stuff still i feel this is crazy because we always get rid of stuff and it feels like this space and then the stuff just i don't know where it comes from <laughs> <laughs> i know I, th I think what's what's but we haven't sorted the root of the issue that's it it's never been at a point you're just hearing us talking about <laughs> <laughs> It's never been at a point where we've kind of done superficial stuff, but we've never gotten it to a point where we're like, okay, there's a clear system for maintaining it now. Yeah. And that's the issue. So therefore the habits aren't yeah. given the space to happen every day. Yeah, that's true. We don't concentrate on it all the time. Yeah. So that for me is the biggest thing. And I know that if I woke up every day in a really clear space, mm. my mind would just be like, let's go. Yeah, true. Okay. That's interesting. So, so, okay. What if, what would you, if you were trying to introduce and instill this idea of like incremental growth, incremental improvements, 1%, whatever it is, to someone that's never heard of it, how would you tell them to go about it? What would your first, uh, your first tip be? What do you want? Okay, so you have to have a goal to, to go for, yeah? Mm. That's interesting, because that brings in the, that brings motivation back into play. I wonder if, um, I wonder if they are just inextricably linked to motivation and discipline. Mm. Because it'd be hard to be disciplined for something unless you have you a goal. You didn't believe in. You've got to believe in something. Well, you've got to be aiming for something. Mm. Which then for means you have to be motivated in some way. Mm. 
I like the idea of the motivation being the macro. Interesting. So, so it's like, about tapping into that goal, that motivate, that overriding motivation. Yeah, which is also, you know, just to kind of bring in another thing, mm-hmm. why the idea of service is so empowering. Okay. Um, and I think it's Martin Luther King who said, if you want to be great, serve. Yeah. Um, and I probably said that wrong, but that's along the... the let paraphrasing. Um, and... It's, it's such a powerful statement and I think um, sometimes we can think of like, okay, I want to achieve this, what do I want to be, How do, what do I want to get, what does my life want to be like, but actually, is that enough to motivate you? I don't know. Whereas when you think about what you want to do or what message you want to give and you start connecting with people and mm. see how that change can, how, how the energies can be shifted and exchanged, mm. that's so lovely. Like. We mm-hmm. were saying the other day, uh, I think it was yesterday, how much we enjoy our coaching. You and I, irrespectively, yeah. enjoy our coaching sessions and how we 100%. feel so energised by them. It brings you energy. Yeah. yeah. And I so like, we gain so much from yeah. the sessions that we do, yeah. that we give to other people. 100%. What were you going to say there? No, no, that, like, just on that, like, I, I can't believe how you, put, you do a coaching session for two hours, you put everything into it, and you feel more energetic at the end mm. than you do at the start. Like, how yeah. is that even possible? Yeah. That defies logic. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And you're not thinking about yourself during that session. At all. Are you? At and then all. sometimes think, thinking about yourself can be a little bit stifling. Draining. And when you think about others and like, okay, my attention's on you right now and let's work with this together about, about you, this thing that we're working on, um, that, that, I don't know, it just energises you. Yeah. And so I think the motivation maybe is something... It's got to be something that excites you in that way. It's probably just like a material gain for yourself. Yeah. I don't know if that would be... Maybe it is for some people. Um, When you say material gain, though, you don't necessarily mean like a Ferrari, right? You mean like this sort of outcome they want. No, I mean like... Well, I I don't know. I think they're kind of linked, though, aren't they? Can be. Like a lifestyle with a Ferrari. Mm. I'm just surprised to hear you say that because like I know you don't really... You don't really picture success in that way. What that? What? What do you mean? You're so like, I, d- I, d- I don't really see see you as someone that pitches success in a material way. You're much more like you have a much more holistic view of success. I think, which is really nice. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think if it is just a material, I think it's oh, I hard to be you. motivated. Yeah, yeah, solely yeah. by that. Yeah. So I think the motivation, the so, uh, is the service thing also really comes. Okay, into sorry, it. I understand. You were saying exactly what I would expect you to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's better <laughs> you're still who you think um, but yeah I think that's kind of really important is to know why you're doing something and um, looking outwards mm-hmm. but does that does that drill in the discipline thing though? or no, is that but the start, it's a is motivation that the of the, that's the beginning of the conversation yeah, yeah. that's the mm. beginning of the conversation yeah, because okay. I think if you don't know what you're trying to achieve yeah. then it's really hard so, to keep going. So if you're learning the violin, which I did. Oh, yeah, tough. And um, I was thinking of bringing it here, actually. Yeah, that's okay. Probably lucky I forgot. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I was never very good at it. <laughs> I bet you were really good. You did grade eight. No, I did grade seven. Oh. But, but it never sounded good. Like, literally, well, I remember being at school and someone was like, I think there's just something wrong with the violin. <laughs> no, mate, it's, it's me. <laughs> I just, just get by the exams. Um, well, I don't need to remind you that I'm the only person I know that failed grade one piano. 
<laughs> so don't worry about it. It's <laughs> oh, so harsh. Um, but, you know, you can learn the scales and you can learn these things. But if you don't, it's hard to be disciplined if you're not, if you haven't got maybe like a real clear vision of sharing your music or where you want to be and how this music affects people. If it's just like, oh, I've got to practice for the next lesson. Interesting. That's hard to be disciplined for. Is there, yeah, see, one of the things I used to love, and I kind of, it just occurred to me that it's come out of my mind, but this idea of the difference between I have to and I want to. Yeah. Oh, Kira's just had a thought. She's scribbling something down. (laughs) This is more important. (laughs) I love it when that happens. Like, I've got to write this down. Come on then, what is it? No, go on, go on, you go on. I wrote it down so you could do your point. Oh, I see. I've lost the page. <laughs> She's lost the page. Okay, go, go, go. Um, the difference between I have to do something, like framing something in your mind, I have to do this and I want to do this. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, say you want to, you got to, um, you want to lose weight, yeah? And it's lunchtime. And you've got the choice between uh, a beautiful sandwich and chips, which I can just pitch right now, or a salad. And if you say to yourself, oh, I've got to eat that salad. I have to. You're probably going to choose the sandwich. He's like, oh, screw it. But if you say, I want to eat the salad because I want to lose weight and I want to look good, that's so much more healthy and that's going to really help you to take control of that decision Mm. because it's something you want to do. So Mm. I actually completely had forgotten about that difference between I have to and I want to, but I think that's a really useful thing when it comes to discipline. 100%. How you frame it. That, um, and I think because you used a food example, really reminds me of me um, deciding to eat eat vegan. True. Eat vegan. And um, yeah, exactly that. I, I saw it as, um, we were just talking about this before actually, I surrounded myself by watching a lot of documentaries about veganism so that I'd always have the voices. True. Kind of reminding me of like the goal mm. and why I wanted to do this. And it was a want. It's funny though, that's, a, that's a, an act of discipline in itself. Yeah. But I enjoyed it as well. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, then it became like an active choice as opposed to an I'm I'm limiting myself in some way. Mm. And as someone who had eaten anything I wanted to before, never been, um, never really stopped myself from eating anything. I had this, I guess before this feeling of like, why would you like you're you're limiting yourself, you're stopping yourself from enjoying something. And then it just switched completely to like, no, I'm choosing. I'm like cultivating the life I want, which is so nice. And I actually found it one of the most empowering things I'd ever done because I think that happened before the half marathon. Mm -hmm. So these were two um, big kind of moments for me because it was me showing myself that I can make changes within myself. That's a really good point. I think actually this idea, discipline and everything comes down to consciousness and purpose. So I, what I've noticed in the last month <clears throat> is basically the main thing I'm doing to help my clients is actually, yeah, of course, I'm teaching them a system and all this stuff and we're implementing loads of cool stuff, but really, I'm just making them, I'm giving them a reason to be conscious about the business they want to build, mm. right? And how the, th- the changes that can be made when you're actually purposefully doing stuff, you're going in the direction, you're being conscious about the decisions you're making, that's when change happens. And how often are we just drifting? Business owners and people. We're so, uh-oh, 
Another thing's been written down. I'm writing the word conscious. It relates to my point. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this. I think this is really this being purposeful, being conscious, and I think you know there are probably um, meditation, mindfulness coaches out there just going, yeah, duh, because <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? But I think for me, like, and being on the flip side of that and bringing consciousness to people's business has made me realize the power of it actually, and being purposeful. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Um, and that's actually pretty much what I was going to talk about is um, because of the violin example. I was just thinking back to myself. And as a kid, I did so many extracurricular activities, yeah. like just loads. <laughs> and um, I don't think I never really excelled at anything. I never felt like, oh, that's... You were a Jacqueline of all trades. I was, yes. But I always kind of felt a little like pretty like mediocre or just kind of just about getting through. Okay. But I think I kind of was aware at the time that <clears throat> I wasn't doing things consciously. So if I was yeah, practicing okay. for an instrument, it was just practicing to kind of check that box. Mm. I've done it because I did practice. Um, like my mum would be like, you need to practice now. So I would. But the gr and I, and I found it really frustrating, which is maybe why as a get later in life as an adult and I've made some changes, those two which I've just cited, they were so big to me because I had learned instruments and things for so long. And yes, while I did get to grade seven, I never felt I was good at it. I never felt confident at it or anything because the changes were so slow. I basically taught myself that even if I practice things for a long time, things don't necessarily change. Right. And the reason they did, because they didn't, I mean, they did, obviously. It was years and years and I was playing higher grades. But... I don't know, it never, I never felt like an accomplished musician. Mm. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head. You have to be conscious yeah. in your engagement. So just doing things and coasting mm. mentally, not really being aware of what you're doing in that moment, mm. isn't going to give you the same amount of change as doing something small, yeah. but really bringing your conscious awareness to it. Yeah, I agree. It's huge. And I've only started doing that in my adult life. Well, I think I did it as a younger kid and then for like, a lot of years, I didn't bring conscious attention to the and, things that I was doing. And this is where the mindfulness and, and meditation really come into it. It's not, it's my understanding of it. I've never been very disciplined with meditation, but the practice of stopping and sitting and, and chilling and focusing just teaches you the power of it because you can't be conscious on the move. You can't be. The, I, I always, like the, the times when I have the best um, sort of thinking and realizations when I'm in a car, because I'm, as much as I'm moving, I'm literally sitting and just, it's like, ideas just come. The, mm. the idea of the movement comes, helps as well for some reason, definitely for me. And that stillness and just contemplation is really powerful. Mm. Um, Do you which, remember to that, that uh, concert we went to in South Bank? Yeah, Indian classical yeah, yeah. music Amazing. one. Amazing. And I think that's, uh, it's really interesting that, because we went to this concert, it was um, Indian music festival. Mm. And it was brilliant and it was in two halves. And the first half was a guy who, it was a fusion of his Western learning style oh, yeah. and his classical learning style. He's from Europe and he'd spent a lot of time in India and it was so cool and so eclectic yeah. and just awesome. And it was also in a way, entertainment given to us in a way that we're more used to digesting it. 
as in there were songs, then he'd talk to us, and then there'd be another song, and it was very kind of dynamic in flow, yeah. in changes. And then the latter half of the show was traditional classical Indian music, and there'd be songs which would a long song, right, much longer than the structure of the, we, the few minutes we're used to. And oh, yeah, it could be like a 20-minute song. And yeah, yeah, and there wouldn't be as much... It, it could be kind of feeling like on a the same kind of tempo and range. Yeah. It wouldn't be as up and down. There weren't verses and choruses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it could sound more similar for its more sustained amount yeah. of time. And it was so fascinating mm. because I was like, wow, our attention spans here yeah. are so small. True. And that conscious awareness that you're talking about is also discipline and meditation and mindfulness is disciplining on us to be able to pay attention to something for yeah. a sustained amount of time, which also in this book, it says is absolutely necessary to master your craft. Yeah. Um, and it's something because we are living in an age where there is, it's an entertainment age, you know, and we've got to be entertained at all times. Yeah. And it's so quick, bite-sized forms of entertainment as well, which is awesome. But it, me, I do think it means we've lost a little bit of our ability. We really have to work hard to get our ability to concentrate for the prolonged amounts of time. You know what's amazing about that as well is they do it for like 20 minutes and then they would just know. It would sound the same. Obviously, I'm a layman, right? But like, and they would just know the second to stop. And they'd all stop at exactly the same time. No, it's, it was amazing because was I think insane. the other people in the... Some of the other musicians are sitting in the front row yeah, of the festival and their hands would move to the music and at the very last beat, all their hands would move up yeah. exactly the same time they knew mm. the structure and when it was coming to an end. It was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. But we better wrap up because you have a lesson quite soon. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, really great chat. Loved, <clears throat> loved this a lot. Any final thoughts on that? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of things. Mm. Um, it's a lot. I'm going to... Just be processing it all. I think this is um, really important stuff that we're, we've got to digest as well. Yeah, I think, I think for me, like, I didn't realise before this, like, the connection between, like, consciousness, motivation, discipline, incremental gains. Like, it's all one big thing. And it, in my head, it's not mapped out properly yet, but I can see the links, yeah? Mm. Um, and actually, this podcast is kind of like a conscious thing because you're, we're so busy. It's so true. It's so hard to, like, like there's no phones, apart from the one that's recording. <laughs> there's no screens, there's no nothing. Like, we just have to dig into a topic and talk about it. And, like, that gets a higher quality of understanding. Yeah. It's consciousness. It's conscious conversation. Mm, it's nice. I like it. Well, it's lovely chatting to you. Um, <laughs> and I guess I'll see you next week. <laughs> see you right now. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening. See you later, guys. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week.